ushers there will pass them out as they come through. And then we are going to take our Bibles this morning to John chapter number 13. John chapter number 13. I know you're saying, Pastor, we're supposed to be in the book of Mark. I know that. You know that. And we'll go back there next week. We're taking a one-week hiatus from the book of Mark. And this morning, we are going to look at several things in the Word of God as well as at the end of the service, do something that we don't normally do on a Sunday, but it will be good, I believe, and I believe it will be a help to our church going forward. At the end of the day, we have a mission, and our mission is on the wall right there. It's a scriptural mission. That's our job. We're here. We meet together. We serve in a church together to exalt Jesus Christ to edify one another and build each other up, and to evangelize the lost. That is our mission statement. God has blessed our church, and I believe that God has great days ahead for our church. And what we do today in the sermon, and as we get to the end of the message and over the next few months, might seem to some of you like we're moving backwards on some of the things that we're doing. But let me assure you something this morning. We are moving backwards on a few things. But we're moving backwards on a few things so that we can move forward correctly and the right way. And so I want you this morning for the next few minutes to listen to what the Bible has to say. And then I want you to think within yourself what you can do and how you can help. At the end of the service this morning, I'm going to have, what we're doing is, we have people that serve in our ministry here, but I want to make sure you want to serve. If you don't want to serve, you don't have to sign up and do anything. I also, something that's got to change that we're going to be working on, we're a team. We're not a one-man show, and we're not renegades that do our own thing. We serve a purpose, and we're on a team. So if you serve in the nursery and you miss your spot in the nursery, you're letting your team down when you don't serve in the nursery because someone else has to fill in for you, and it just hurts things as they go. You could be a teacher, and you could be doing your own thing. You're hurting the team in the long run. So what we're going to be doing over the next several weeks is after the service today in the next few weeks, there are going to be sign-up sheets for different ministries to be involved in. You might say, well, pastor, I'm involved in a ministry. If you want to stay involved in that ministry, you need to sign up. And then there's going to be some requirements that are expected, which we'll go over in a few weeks. But we're going to make it to where you realize how important your job is and and see the big picture. And also, if you aren't a team player and you can't get along with people, that's got to stop too. We let people serve in areas, and then they can't get along with people, and then it causes more headaches than help. And ministry, serving people, is all about being able to deal with people and work with people. And so I'm going to be giving tools and teaching and helping in these areas. So at the end of the message today, we're going to look at what Jesus has to say about the importance of being a servant today. When the message is done, if you want to serve in the ministry here, there's going to be areas you can sign up for. And then I will give you some details at the end of the service. Those sign-up sheets are going to be out for a few weeks. 
and then we're going to start meeting with each specific group. You might say, well, I'm already plugged in. Well, sign up. Do what, you're, do what I ask you to do if you want to stay. Say, well, I'm in the choir. Sign up for the choir, not the kids' choir. If you want to be in the adult choir, sign up that you want to be there and serve. And we're going to work at, with the choir. I'm going to work with the choir a little bit. We've got to make sure we're all on the same page following our leader and doing what God's called us to do and having the desire to worship the Lord and what we do. So it's kind of like a reset on some things. But bearing with it for some time, and I showed you my schedule last week and what my schedule looks like. I really don't have time to be doing this. But I believe in the long run it's going to pay off and really help our church by doing this. And so we'll talk about this at the end, but I want you to have an open heart to the word of God this morning. Father, we need your help today. This is not just something that sprang upon us or one idea I had last week. It's been the, in the works for a while. And I really believe that this is what you want. And that this is, if we are going to be ready to do whatever you have for us going forward, I believe that we got to get a hold of this passage today. And we got to become team players together and work for the mission that you've called us to. Work on my heart today. Work on the hearts of your people this morning. We give you the praise. We give you the glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Becoming people of the towel, becoming a servant. That's what we are all called to be. We could go through the different epistles written in the New Testament, and Paul had lots of different names he could go by, but most often you see at the beginning of a letter that he wrote, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. James, the servant of Jesus Christ. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ. Jesus was about to die, 24 hours from being put on a cross, what would he teach his disciples? What would he, what would be something so important that they would need going forward? That's what we're going to look at and talk about this morning. But before we get there, I think of a man in the Bible that a lot of people don't know a lot about. His name's Epaphroditus. But let's be honest in the room. How many, how many of you would say you have a pretty good knowledge of Epaphroditus? Would you raise your hand? Epaphroditus. A few in the room. Most people don't know a lot about the guy because he was a servant. And when you're a servant, people just don't remember you a lot. And you don't get into the servant business if you want to be remembered by a lot of people. We look, and I want to read a few verses. I think they're going to be up on the screen for you. In Philippians chapter number 2, verse 25 through 30, Paul says, Yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger... That he, and he that ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all and was full of, of heaviness because that ye had heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick nigh unto death. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I, have, I sent him therefore the more carefully, that when ye see him again ye may rejoice, and that I may be the less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such in reputation, 
Why was Epaphroditus nigh unto death? Because for the work of Christ, he was nigh unto death. Not regarding his life to supply your lack of service towards me. Why was he sick? Because he was willing to not regard his own life and serve. That's quite a servant there. The phrase, they're not regarding his life, is an interesting phrase. It is a gambling term. It means to recklessly expose one's life to danger. And gambling would be to risk everything on the roll of a dice. He was willing to risk his life to serve for Jesus Christ. He was willing to put his life on the line to serve Paul. He gambled every, his health even so that Paul could serve the churches and he ministered to him. In 250 A.D., there was a group of early Christians around ancient Carthage. They called themselves the Gamblers. That's quite a name for a Christian group, right? They named themselves after Epaphroditus and what he had done. And these people went into the city of Carthage, and during the height of the plague, when bodies were stacked high along the streets, they carried the dead bodies outside the city and buried them. They risked their lives to serve the people of Carthage, many of whom hated them because they were Christians. These people possessed that spirit that Epaphroditus had in himself. Where did Epaphroditus, where these, this group of early Christians called the gamblers, where did they get this idea of servanthood? Where did they get this from? It came from Jesus Christ is where it came from. And so this morning, we go to John chapter number 13, and I need you to focus in this morning and pay attention. The sermon's not here by accident. I believe this is where God wants us today. I need you to listen up for a little bit of time this morning and get what God has for us. And we see in this passage of Scripture, we see the selfless Son of God in action. On the eve of his death, Jesus does some things that I want you to see this morning. John 13, verse number 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, look at this phrase here. Having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing all that the Father hath given all things into his hand, and that he was come from God and went to God, he riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. And after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. We skip down to verse number 12. So after he washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done unto you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so am I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, Ye also ought to wash one another's feet. 
For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. Jesus is about to die on the cross, pay for the sins of the whole world. His last hours with his disciples before the cross, he could have taught them multiple things and gone many different ways. But the scripture tells us he loved these men. He loved them to the end. And so he wanted to give them all that he could in the last hours he had. As we look here this morning, Jesus not only calls his disciples to be servants, but he calls every Christian to be a servant of his. So as we read here this morning and we see what Jesus did and the example that he set forward for us, we need to pick up on some things that we see here this morning. Number one, as we talk about becoming a servant, we must learn from his labor. What are some things we can learn this morning? We've got to learn from his labor. If I could, Mona, do you have an extra copy of the notes with you? Could you bring an extra copy to your seat? If, you could get, if I could have a copy just so I could have that. Okay, we got that. Thank you. So sometimes things don't line up exactly, so I want to make sure we're all lined up together. And so as we look here, we must learn from his labor. Look at verse 4 and 5. He riseth from supper, and laid aside his garments, and took a towel, and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Now, as we look here, Jesus rises from supper, wrapped the towel around his body, and washed the feet of his disciples. He was performing a selfless act of service. What Jesus did teaches us a lot, just in his labor, teaches us a lot how a servant is supposed to be. The first thing that we see underneath that letter A is that Jesus was performing an act of selfless service for his men. He was being selfless in doing this. Now, when we think about this, and as we look closer at these different things, you notice they were already sitting down and eating supper. The washing of the feet should have taken place before they ever sat down to eat. Right? That's how it was supposed to be in those days. They didn't have chairs and tables like us, and so those feet could get pretty close to the table at times when they're sitting there. When we think about what Jesus did in the selfless act, we think about the fact that washing feet was slaves' work. Even Jewish slaves could not be forced to wash their own master's feet. It was a task for the lowest Gentile slave to do. Jesus took the place of a slave before his disciples. He willingly humbled himself to meet the needs that they had in their lives. When we look at this and we think about his act of service, we see the first thing, number one, is that Jesus washed the feet of his disciples without being asked to do so. 
So many of us have this attitude, well, pastor, I'll do something if you ask me. That's not the heart of a true servant. Jesus washed the disciples' feet. He wasn't asked to do it. And as we look here, and in fact, they were probably shocked when he started washing their feet. And as I mentioned before, this should have been done before this ever got to this point. And he is the king of kings and lord of lords. They should have offered to wash his feet long before he started washing their feet. But as we talk about his labor this morning, we notice he did it. He washed their feet without being asked to do so. The next thing that we see is that Jesus served with no expectation of reward. So often, as we see here, no one, does we see in the scripture where someone says, hey, thank you, Jesus, for washing my feet. No. In fact, you can see Peter, Lord, not so. Isn't that amazing you can say Lord and then no after that? That's amazing how Peter can put those together. But Peter said some awesome things, too. So I don't know, it's just something about Peter's. They can put their foot in their mouth at one moment and then one moment say something good. Right, Peter? Or I should say, right, Rebecca? Is that right? Let's just be the name Peter. There's a song about being a Peter that, that does that. But he did what he did because he wanted to. A true servant does it with no expectation of reward. Because if you do it for a reward, you have your reward already. This is what true servanthood is all about. This is what Jesus, through his labor, was teaching in this passage of Scripture. The third thing that we see is that Jesus served the others with a willing heart. No one had to twist his arm. He voluntarily took the place of a slave and he served those men. That's why as a Christian, as a servant of Jesus Christ, no one makes you do anything. Oh, I, there was no one to take that spot. That's why I said, if you want to serve, in the ministries of church. I want you to. If you do not, then you don't have to. Ah, oh, I guess I'll do it because someone has to. Jesus didn't, oh, no one washed my feet, so I guess I'll wash all your feet and teach you a lesson. Jesus was willing to serve. What a great lesson that is for all of us. Now this one is going to get to some of us this morning. Jesus served those who did not deserve to be served. We learn this in his labor. They don't deserve me to be nice to them. Who in the, wor who in the world gave you the right to decide what someone else deserves? No one made you a judge of no one. You know what you deserve? Woo, are you ready? You deserve hell, just like I do. That's the one thing in this room every one of us deserves. For us to say to someone, you don't deserve my kindness. Shame on you for that attitude. That is not how a Christian acts. And let me just put it this way this morning. We have it at times in our church. People are going to know that we're followers of Christ by our love for him and our love for others. When we bicker and fight with one another, when we argue with one another, when we can't get along with one another, we're not doing the work of Christ. We're acting more like Satan than we are Christ. And that's a big problem today in our churches. It's a problem in our church a lot. So some of you get your act together. There's a nice warning for you. 
Jesus served those who didn't deserve it. You say, well, who didn't deserve it? Let me just stop there for a second. Some a second ago, I thought, well, pastor, I think pastor was talking about me. If you think I'm talking about you, then you're probably guilty of something you got to fix. So I did not this morning have one of you in mind. I have lots of people in mind. And at times, that was included for myself. Because at times, we look at people and we're like, why should I do anything for them? Why shouldn't you? I get that same attitude. We all do. We all, and it's not right. You think about those, Peter was here. Peter denied the Lord three times, less than 24 hours from this time. And Jesus knew he was going to. So well, Peter didn't deserve it. That didn't stop Jesus because a servant serves those who don't deserve to be served. In fact, you could see um, Judas already had Satan in him. Did that stop Jesus from serving him? Nope. That's a true servant. Because let me just help you this morning. You don't know what someone else is going through or where they're at in their life. And no one made you a judge of anything. There is one judge. You want someone to judge you based off of every little thing you do? No, we want grace on, our, on ourselves, but we don't offer grace to others. Jesus served those who didn't deserve it, but he did it. He knew that most of them would run away in fear in just a few hours from him, but he served. If I only served based on those who are kind to me, I wouldn't serve very many people. Because one minute a lot of you in this room can love me, and one minute you can hate me. It goes back and forth. But I'm not called to serve you based on how you treat me. I'm called to serve Jesus Christ and to follow his example. And that's how it's supposed to be for all of us. Jesus served those who didn't deserve it. And so as we look here this morning and we think about this, we can see all this just in his service, his labor here. And think about this. Jesus did what he did, let her be, for a specific purpose. While his disciples and his men, while he's with them celebrating the Passover, the disciples were occupied with other things. Jesus was occupied with things that really mattered. He'd be going to die on the cross. And while Jesus carried the burden of the lost on his heart, in all honesty, these men at this time were worried about who was greater. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 22, in verse 20, look at what it says, and there was also a strife among them. Which of them should be accounted the greatest? Can you believe this? It's going on at this time. Jesus, th this is why Jesus is teaching them this importance. And he said to them, the kings, the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors, but ye shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief as he that doth serve, for whether is greater he that sitteth at meat or he that serveth, is not he that sitteth at meat, but I am among you as he that serveth. Ye are they which have continued with me in my temptation. And I have appointed unto you a kingdom, as my Father hath appointed unto me, that ye may eat and drink at the table in my kingdom, and sit on the thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. 
said, your day is going to come. Your job now is to serve. Don't worry about who the greatest is. The greatest is the servant. He did this to teach them a specific lesson and to help them here. And let her see, you got to understand something, there are very few Christians who truly possess a servant's heart today. Most of us are just like the disciples. Jesus has a better way for us. Church, as we just look at this first point and we think about it, we need to be willing to humble ourselves to serve others. Isn't that what Jesus did? He humbled himself. This is the problem. A lot of times our lives reek with pride. A servant can't have pride. But that's, and only by pride comes contention. When there are issues going on, pride's always the cause of it. Very few of us possess a servant's heart. But Jesus, he humbled himself. He learned to serve without being asked. We got to learn to serve others willingly with no reward. Whose praise do you want? Do you want the praise of men or do you want the praise of God? You can have what you want and get what you want there. You need to learn to serve those who are selfish and who don't say, that person doesn't serve, why should I serve them? Because that's what Christ would do. We can learn a lot about being a servant from his labor. Number two, we must learn from his lordship. We must learn from his lordship. Verse 12 through verse 17. Look what it says. I was looking at chapter 12. I'm like, those verses are right. Chapter 13, verse 12. So after he washed their feet and had taken his garment and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? Ye call me Master and Lord, and ye say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that sent greater than he that sent him. If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. Letter A, everything Jesus did that night reminds us of who he is and what he came to do in this world. The Bible tells us in Philippians chapter number 2, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, Thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but look at what he did. He made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who spoke the world into existence. The living word, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The one who's to have the preeminence, the one who's coming someday riding on a horse and his name's King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Him, the King of Kings. 
humbled himself and became a servant. How powerful that is when you stop to think about that this morning. As we look at this and we think about Jesus doing that, I want you to think about a couple other things. Letter B, the fact is, serving others is not an option. It's a command from God. It's a command. Verse 14, if I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, Ye also ought to wash one another's feet. The word ought is in a tense that suggests that we should always be serving. Now, there are some Christians out there that say, well, we're supposed to wash everyone else's feet. That's not literally washing someone else's feet. I actually had someone, I went to their house after they came to our church. They're like, well, pastor, are you going to wash my feet? I'm like, don't you take a bath? Don't you take a shower? Wash your own stinking feet. And I thought that's what Jesus did. If you... It's an example of serving. And if churches want to do that, go right ahead. They can do that. That's fine. But um, I'll pay and let you go. Let some, someone else do it. I'll let you go get a pedicure. I'll pay for it. That, that will get it done there for you. But what we see here is the Lord saying we should always be looking for ways to serve people for his glory. We should continually be searching for ways to demonstrate the love of God to those around us. As a, as a child of God, this is something that God wants his children to do. And we are never more like Jesus when we are serving others. You want to be like Jesus? Minister to someone. We're going through the book of Mark. Don't you see that over and over again? Man, the religious people are after him, but he just goes on helping people. It just doesn't matter. He's even tired, and people are still lining up, and he still meets with them. He goes to get away from everybody, and there's people there. He serves, he serves, he serves, and we are never more like Jesus than when we're serving others. Let me get in Luke 6.40. The disciple's not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. You want to be like Jesus? Learn to serve. Learn to serve without being asked to serve. Learn to serve those who don't deserve it or who, who you don't think deserve it. None of us deserve anything from God. And I'm so grateful for his graciousness and his mercy. We should be able to show a little bit of that loving kindness to others around us. And when we look at this and we think about this, look at verse 17. If ye know these things, it's one thing to know them. If you know these things, it's good. But happy are ye if ye do them. Which leads to letter D. Serving others is a recipe for happiness. Jesus said it. Those are his words. Hey, it's good to know it, but you can be happy if you do it. You know why most Christians are miserable today? Are you ready? They don't serve. Life is all about you. Life is all about everything about you. The Christian life was not designed to be a life about us. It's supposed to be a life about others. Isn't that what, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others? You want to find happiness in the Christian life? Reach out and help someone else. 
but pastor, my life, it, it, it's just terrible right now. And you know what will happen when you go serve someone else? You'll see that their life is terrible. And when you encourage them, you'll see, hey, things aren't so bad for me. You think your life's bad? I got a call this morning from the police department. They need a chaplain. A one-year-old died, and the parents needed comfort this morning. You think your life's bad? And I'm not minimizing what's going on in your life. Because those things are bad for each of us. But you want to find happiness? Help other people. That's what Jesus taught. And so, lastly this morning, not only do we need to learn from his labor and learn from his lordship, but we need to learn from his love. So let's back to verse number one. Verse number one tells us the fact that now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them until the end. The final lesson we see in this passage is the fact, why did Jesus do everything that he did? Why did he wash the disciples' feet? Why did he take the time, right? Why did he do these things? He did these things, letter A, his love for them and for us explains everything he did. His love for you this morning explains why he died on the cross. His love for you explains why he's patient with you, why he's long-suffering, why he's merciful, why he's gracious. His love for his disciples explained everything he did for them. He was trying to help them. I'm going to make this statement now, and then I'm going to drop this till another time. One of the reasons why I'm going back and I'm redoing a lot of areas and helping you, equipping you with the tools to do your jobs is because I love you. And I'm tired of seeing a lot of us struggle in the room in our relationships with working with people in the church. So if we go back and we train on these things, it will give you the tools to be able to be the Christian you should be in those. And you're not going to be perfect. None of us ever are. But it will give you the tools to be able to do what God's called you to do. Does that make sense? His love explains everything he did for us. But I want, also want you to think about this. Just as love compelled, let her be, the Savior to serve, our love for him should compel us to serve others for his glory. Think with about this statement here this morning. His love is displayed to us in so many ways. Love is an action word. Jesus loves us. How do we know that? Because he died for us and he gave his life for us. And he's praying for us. He's preparing a mansion for us. We could go on all day about his love. How does God the Father love us? He loved us that he's willing to give his son for us. In a world that didn't want him and rebelled against him, he was willing to give his son. So just as love compelled the Savior to serve, the Bible says, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. There are many Christians who say, I love him. You can prove that love 
by serving for him and serving others. Say, but that person doesn't deserve it. Are you doing it for their recognition? Are you doing it to show your love to your Savior? It's Paul who said, the love of Christ constrains me. The love of Christ is why Paul did all that he did in his life. And that's why this morning, if you want to serve and be a part of a team at church, that choice is yours. Your love for him should compel you to. We've seen this morning what the scripture has to say about being a servant. What you do with what you've been told is up to you. That choice is yours. In a few minutes, and Joe, you've got several.